This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, and on this edition of Vancouver Consumer, it's all about your money, how to make it, how to save it, how to plan for it. In Hour 1, Chris Sabat of Macmillan Estate Planning with an update on how to prepare your estate for today, tomorrow, and beyond. In our second hour, William Tam of Manning Elliott, a full-service accountancy and business evaluation company on what businesses can do right now to help their business survive and recover. But first, a look at the week's Vancouver Consumer News. A total of 46 Vancouver restaurants, bars, and craft breweries have applied for temporary patios since the application process opened this past Monday. Of the 46, 14 were granted permits, with the others to follow soon. The new program, which expires in October, is aimed at businesses that either closed or operated in a limited capacity over the last few months and are now trying to recover from losses sustained from the pandemic. We're going to ask our second guest, Will Tam, of accounting firm Manning Elliott about how businesses can best do that. By the way, the city waived the usual permit fee, which can run up to $3,000 a year, and they did promise a two-day turnaround for permit applicants. The city of Vancouver is expected to pass a new bylaw banning fireworks on Halloween. This new bylaw, which will likely take effect after this Halloween, will ban the sale and the use of fireworks by the general public. Bylaw officers will ticket violators up to $1,000. So this will be the last Halloween for you to buy and ignite fireworks. One of the reasons for the new bylaw was that the noise was scaring the heck out of domestic animals. In a report released this week, the conservative think tank Fraser Institute said a four-day work week without sacrificing income could be possible by the year 2030 if worker productivity increases 2% per year by then. In other words, to get to a four-day work week where we actually work fewer hours, we'll need to be a lot more productive. All this has been studied as a result of the pandemic, and when asked if B.C. could go to a four-day week, Premier Horgan said he is open to that idea. Has the pandemic spawned a spike in crime? The figures vary, but if you look at Vancouver proper, roughly one in four Vancouverites report that since March, someone broke into their home, office, or car and stole something. Venturing outside Vancouver proper, the figures are less distressing. One report I reviewed said that one in five British Columbians said that since March, someone attempted to extort them by either email, text, or telephone. And the latest figures on real estate show a nice surge in sales last month compared to the month previous. 34% rise in sales in May compared to April. Prices remain stable, up about 3% in May of this year compared to May of last year. Survival and recovery from real estate to countless other businesses is the focus with our first guest, Chris Sabat. Chris Sabat, General Counsel with Macmillan Estate Planning. MacmillanEstate.com Chris, welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. As we uh, work our way out of this pandemic, hopefully (laughs) there won't be a resurgence in it. It's been really busy with you folks because I think there has been a realization, as you pointed out in a conversation we had earlier, that 
people have realized that, you know, we've all had a bit of a health scare here. Uh, maybe it's time to reevaluate uh, what I'm doing with my personal or professional estate. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, that's absolutely correct. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting and challenging time the last few months, and um, I think it will continue to be so, be, be so as, as you know, things recover and hopefully stabilize. So it's a, a good, good opportunity to think about estate planning and, and some of the opportunities associated with it. Well, I was looking at some statistics, Chris, that uh, they, I think it was Harvard University, went around the world studying centenarians, people who live to over 100. And they found two common denominators with people who lived to the ripe old age of 100 or more. One was that these folks were able to overcome a traumatic event in their lifetime and move on quickly. They didn't forget, but they were able to move on quickly. The other was that if you can live to 100 or more, it's probably because your mother was able to live to a ripe old age. So the longer your mother lived, the better chance you've got of living up to 100 or more. Having said that, Chris, how do we prepare an estate to reach 100? I mean, we're going to be using some of that money, obviously, for care, health care. But how do you prepare an estate for a person living to 100? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Um, I, I saw a stat the other day, you know, just while we're, we're talking about stats, and uh, it was it, it was in essence that today we we have approximately ten thousand centurions living in Canada. So those are you know individuals that are over a hundred years of age, and, and you know I've seen I've seen some reports that suggest that you know in the next decade or two that number could increase to to somewhere in the range of eighty thousand. So you know when you think about that practically. What that means is that many of us will live in retirement longer than we worked in our working careers. And so that puts an entirely different sort of lens on the whole issue of estate planning because, you know, it's it's key that we get it right during your lifetime so that that there's support for, you know, yourself and your spouse. Um, But also if we don't get it right in your lifetime, there isn't going to be an estate to transition to the children. And so... So, you know, that causes us to think about things quite a bit differently. Estate planning is is now very much as much about what we do during your lifetime to protect and manage assets as as it is um, in relation to how we distribute those assets ultimately as part of, of as part of your plan. Well, I would think, Chris, and I'm I'm in that demographic that is wondering, will I have enough to get me to 100 in terms of covering my costs. I think that's really the question that, it, you know, boggles people. Will I have enough? I mean, I'm not talking about people with multi-millions of dollars. I'm talking about the average Joe or Jane. And they are forecasting 35 years of retirement, as you point out. Most people work for 35 years, but they also spend 35 years in retirement, which I think is the report that you had mentioned earlier. The, the fact of the matter is that unless we properly prepare our estate we may run out of money before we're gone. Yeah, that's that's absolutely uh, you know a realistic possibility for some people. And you know, I would say su- I would suggest whatever your you know whatever sort of uh, wealth demographic you might fall into. You know, at the end of the day, there's 
there's really two key considerations. We have to protect assets during our, our lifetime, you know, from things like fluctuations in the market. And, and you know, we really saw quite an incredible drop in values a, a month or two ago. Um, and we have to minimize taxation throughout our lifetime because, I mean, you know, the old saying, a dollar saved is a dollar earned. And every every dollar we can save in taxation, there's an opportunity for those funds to, to grow and to uh, to be there to support us ultimately in our in our retirement in our latter years. Chris Sabat, General Counsel, McMillan Estate Planning, McMillanEstate.com, McMillanEstate.com, or you can speak with Chris, 1-833-266-6464, 1-833-266-6464. couple of virtual seminars coming up with the uh, professionals at McMillan Estate, uh, June 11th and June 25th, beginning at 5.30. You simply go to their website. It is at no charge, of course. You get to speak with all the pros at McMillanEstate.com, McMillanEstate.com. Chris, uh, why should we structure our estates differently to the way our parents or even our grandparents did? Well, that's, you know, that's a fantastic question. So, you know, there's a, a few different considerations, you know, that I'd maybe point to. And, you know, the first, first of all, um, you know, our family dynamics have changed. So, you know, where our children live, um, where we own assets, you know, maybe we have a cottage in another province or, um, you know, winter vacation home in the United States. You know, maybe maybe one or more of the children have become U.S. residents or are living in a different province. Uh, but the point of all of this is that, all of these things, you know, the the fact that several several different jurisdictions can be involved in our estate planning both creates opportunities and sometimes it creates challenges for for our estate plan. And so, you know, things have changed in the sense that our estates are much more complex and our families are much more complex than I think, you know, perhaps was the case in our, our grandparents or our parents' generation. And then also when we look at our assets, you know, generally speaking, uh, the, the asset base of many families has has grown uh, over the years and as a result of the work of, of several generations, and we're becoming quite wealthy. And so, you know, traditionally for our parents or for, grand, for, for the grandparents, an estate plan was a will. And, you know, of course, a will is the process by which you divide up your assets and, and give them to, you know, friends and family and, and causes that are near and dear to us. But now estate planning is is really focused on um, preserving assets to, to ensure that they're there to, to both service us during our lifetime, but also for our heirs. And it's focused on the minimization of, of taxation. And so, you know, generally speaking, our kind of rule of thumb is that once you end up with an estate with, let's say, a, an asset value of a million dollars or more, particularly not in, you know excluding real estate, you're really at a, a stage where you need comprehensive estate planning as opposed to just a plan for the distribution of assets when you when you ultimately pass away. And so, you know, I guess I, would, I guess I would say things have become much more complex in that regard. And, you know, there's that that final element that you sort of touched upon. Uh, we're, we're living longer and uh, we need to plan to live longer. And if we don't get it right for ourselves during our lifetime, uh, I think, as I mentioned earlier, there may not be an estate to pass on to the children. And so we need to make sure that that value is going to be there for ourselves and ultimately for, you know, for the children. I'm Manny Bazunas. You're listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Chris Sabat, General Counsel, McMillan Estate Planning, McMillan Estate 
Com. Uh, Chris, I was looking at uh, some figures fairly recently that suggest the average female in British Columbia lives to 82, the average male 79. Uh, with the advances in medical technology, of course, uh, those numbers are sure to go up. Uh, you point out that uh, most children born in you know the last number of years especially in a wealthy country like ours, have a better chance of reaching to the age of 100. I remember asking a financial advisor, oh, this is going back a few years now, I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, when I suggested to this financial advisor that um, I'd like you to arrange my portfolio so that I have spent every single cent before they lower me into the ground. And <laughs> she said, Manny, the problem with that theory is you don't know when they're going to lower you into the ground, so you better not spend everything. Well, that's that's absolutely true. And, and uh, of course, the other thing that you don't know is what sort of taxation is going to be imposed upon your estate you know, at, at that moment that you're, you're lowered into the ground. And so it, uh, it, it's good to it's good to understand some of those issues and, uh, and to plan for them. What estate planning strategies uh, would you suggest that will both grow and protect a person's estate during retirement that may span the 35 years that we talked about? It's one thing to keep it status quo. It's quite another uh, when the planning process can grow your estate, Chris. No, that that's absolutely correct. Um, I think one of the challenges that we're going to have over the next, you know, maybe it's the next five years or, or perhaps the next decade, is that there seems to be an indication that interest rates are going to stay at, at an all-time low. And so what that means is that if you want your estate value to continue to grow, you need to be active in the in the market. And so, if you think about what I would for, what I would refer to as traditional investing, you know, you you, you put let's say a million dollars into the stock market, and of course, if it's if it goes up and it earns income, well, that's great. But if we see a situation like like what we had just a couple of months ago, and some, suddenly values drop off by twenty five or thirty percent, well, there's some real risk in relation to not only your lifetime and and your retirement plans. But as it relates to the estate value that you contemplated would be there for the children, you know, it's in jeopardy as well. And so there are alternative ways to invest and to participate in the market where you can obtain what are called capital guarantees. And, and those, those guarantees sort of kick in at one, or two, one of two points in time. And one is on the maturity date of the, of the investment, and the other is on death. So, you know, from a you know, from a, a real simple example is if you put that million dollars in the market and suddenly the value drops off by 10 or 15% or more and you pass away, well, of course, your estate value is dramatically less. Um, with a capital guarantee, whether it's on death or on maturity, you at least get your million dollars back. And there's the added benefit that, that at times what you can do is as that portfolio grows in value, so that million dollars you know, increases by 10% to 1.1, you know, to $1.2 million, you can reset that guarantee so that, again, that growth is also preserved preserved for your estate. And, you know, there's some added benefits too, like you, you're able to avoid probate, there's some credit or protection in relation to those types of investments. But, uh, you know, I guess the point at the end of the day is that there are ways to participate in this market 
uh, or in the market recovery and to, you know, and to preserve estate values. And, and uh, you know, I'd certainly encourage everyone to, to look at that opportunity. Well, we're going to look at some of those other options uh, when we come back with Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com, macmillanestate.com, or call Chris directly, 1-833-266-6464. While you're on the website, macmillanestate.com, why not sign up for one of their free virtual seminars. You can question uh, the professionals at macmillanestate.com. These seminars slated for June 11th and June 25th at 5.30, June 11th and June 25th at 5.30. Register, again, free of charge, macmillanestate.com. macmillanestate.com, 1-833-266-6464. In the previous uh, segment, Chris, we talked about some of the safer options when planning your estate, and one of the things that kind of popped out at me, and at first I've heard of it, and you can explain it, uh, the Insurance Act offering a safer option. Yes, absolutely. It, um, you know, I'd suggest to you that when you, you know, particularly when we're talking about the very affluent individuals in our society, but it's certainly not restricted to those individuals, there's really two options when it comes to investing. And so your sort of traditional stock portfolio is typically held under, under the Bank Act or it's regulated by the, by the Bank Act in Canada. And, of course, the, the disadvantage of, of that process is that, you, you know, to the extent there's a negative impact to your stock portfolio, then, uh, you know, it sort of rises and falls with the market. When you move into what we like to refer to as an investment trust, which is regulated by the Insurance Act, Ultimately, uh, you are able to negotiate or to secure uh, the capital guarantees that I spoke about earlier. And so those, those funds, when they're initially deposited or as they grow, you can obtain guarantees to ensure that on maturity or on death that your estate value is protected. And so what that helps to do is, is not only protect your goals and your objectives for, for your retirement, um, but it allows you to plan with some sort of certainty in relation to, you know, how you will recognize and benefit your children or other causes that are that are important to you as part of your your overall estate plan. Um, it, it's, you know, quite a, uh, a beneficial process that um, we utilize quite often when it comes to estate planning. Well, you mentioned six benefits altogether, and one of them is uh, bypassing probate. Is that an expensive process, probate? Well, from my perspective, it it absolutely is. Now, of course, probate uh, fees vary vary by province. And, you know, here in British Columbia, we're we're in essence looking at not only the legal fees associated with the probate process, um, but there is... The probate fees are assessed based on a percentage of the assets that are being probated. So in in British Columbia, it's approximately 1.4%. And so, you know, if you take your your estate value, and that includes, you know, your home and your non-registered investment accounts, you know, maybe the, the, the nice cabin at the lake, you know, those sorts of things. You can take their value, multiply it by 1.4%. And from my perspective, that's the, the tax you will pay to go through probate. And so if you think about it, if you have an investment account with a million dollars or with $10 million 
and it's invested through the Insurance Act or, or in an investment regulated by the Insurance Act, you're able to avoid that, that probate fee. And, you know, especially as the numbers grow, as it relates to our state value, it makes a lot of sense to avoid that probate fee. And the other great thing about it is, of course, one of the problems with probate is it takes time and assets are frozen during that entire process. And so, you know, depending on where you live and the the particular courthouse, you know, it could be six months, eight months that those funds are locked up while, while the probate process is underway. Whereas with, with, you know, this form of an investment, something that's regulated through the insurance act, you know, what we call the investment trust, the funds are typically provided to the family within about 30 days. Uh, So, so there's quite a few benefits there. Well, there are a lot of United States or states in the United States that no longer have estate or wealth taxes uh, when someone passes away. And I know there's been some chirping nationally that we should be doing away with all of these types of estate taxes. Is there anything on the horizon that points in that direction? Absolutely nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and you know, so, so in Canada, I mean, there's really two types of taxes that are imposed on passing. And you can call it inheritance tax. You can call it the deemed disposition. But at the end of the day, you know, your registered accounts are going to be taxed like income. And so, you know, if there's a significant value in there, you should anticipate that at least 50% will, will be taxed or will be paid in taxes. And, of course, if you have a business or property that's increased in value, there's going to be capital gains. And, you know, the reality is my prediction, particularly after COVID-19 and all of the subsidies that have been paid out, the governments are going to be looking for, you know, provincial and federal governments are going to be looking for additional tax revenue. And, you know, an easy place to look is, you know, things like changes around capital gains inclusion rates, you know, increased taxation or increased tax rates, which would, of course, apply on passing. And so I think what's going to happen over the next few years is we're going to see additional taxation of our estates. So it's not called an inheritance tax, but, you know, without some real um, significant planning or comprehensive estate planning, you should anticipate that the value that you think you'll be leaving for your heirs will be eroded quite significantly. Well, when you think of the billions, if not trillions of dollars uh, the government has had to put out, uh, yeah, you're right. There's only one way to recoup that money, and that's tax people who have the money to be taxed. And that's why you really need to get your estate planning in order now. MacmillanEstate.com, Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning. MacmillanEstate.com, or you can call Chris, 1-833-266-6464. While you're on the website, MacmillanEstate.com, why not sign up for their free virtual seminar? They've actually got two coming up this month, June 11th and June 25th at 5.30. June 11th and June the 25th at 5.30. You register online, and of course the seminar is free. MacmillanEstate.com. MacmillanEstate.com. What are some of the other ways, Chris, that you would suggest would help savvy investors get their retirement plans back on track after taking a hit over the last couple of months? Yeah, you know, that's that's a fantastic question. So, I mean, the first is always, of course, minimizing taxation, and, and there's, you know, various strategies associated with that. But, you know, another obvious opportunity is is the use of leveraged investing. And so traditionally, when you think about leveraged investing, you think about, 
you know, borrowing, obviously borrowing funds and putting them into the market. And, you know, a real risk associated with that is that if there's a drop in, you know, in the investment's value, you end up with a risk of things like margin calls. And so, you know, that's that unfortunate call from your bank saying, hey, look at, you know, the value of, of the investments dropped. And so suddenly now you need to send me a check for X. Um, that, you know, it's a very unpleasant call, but there are ways to invest or, or to, to utilize leveraged investing where there is no risk of that, that margin call. And so, you know, practically speaking, what you're doing is, is, you know, borrowing to invest in the market. You utilize those same capital guarantees. And, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, the only real risk associated with the leveraged investing is that you have to, of course, pay the interest associated with, with that loan. And, you know, as, as is the case, anytime you borrow to invest, of course, you also generate a, a tax deduction, a, you know, utilizing or a tax deduction, utilizing the interest that was paid on that leveraged uh, investment. And so practically speaking, what you're doing is, is you're putting more money into the market and that allows you to recover or to, to generate wealth quicker. Um, and, uh, and, and it works you know, quite well. We saw it utilized extensively following 2008. And many of the families that we worked with uh, saw really significant increases in value uh, as, as it relates to their entire estate. So, Well, there are certainly some options for both the savvy and the not-so-savvy investors. Uh, and the benefits of going to a person like Chris Sabat, general counsel at Macmillan Estate Planning, is they'll lay out those options that will suit you individually depending on your adversity to risk. MacmillanEstate.com, MacmillanEstate.com, 1-833-266-6464, 1-833-266-6464. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. We talked about people living longer. Uh, you know, our medical technology is getting us upwards to 100 years of age. There are those people who might suggest, well, as long as I have enough to take care of me into my old age, but there are so many people, if not the majority, I'm sure that you see, Chris, and I don't want to speak for you, but I would think, you know, they want to leave something to their children. They don't want to use up every cent just because they're living longer. And I think that's really the crux of the issue is how do we accomplish both? Take care of ourselves in our old age and leave something in our estate for our children. Absolutely. That's a, that's a real driving consideration with, with many of the families that we work with. And, you know, if you take it to the next level of complexity, if just, you know, imagine there's a, a scenario or a situation where you have a, a family business. And, of course, you know, what you want to do in that scenario, in part, is plan to ensure that the taxation that's imposed upon your passing doesn't actually create, uh, you know, a call for capital on the business that suddenly um, can put that business in jeopardy. And so, you know, at the end of the day, estate planning is all about thinking about your goals and objectives, both during your lifetime, you know, and for your family in the future and coming up with a process to make that happen. And, uh, and that's absolutely key. So, you, you know, it's, there's that old saying, um, you know, if you don't have a plan, any road will get you there. And uh, it's equally applicable to estate planning. Well, I would uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. We've only got a couple of minutes left, Chris. I've been chirping on about your virtual seminars, which I know have been super successful in the past. These are virtual seminars, obviously. June 11th, June 25th, 
Uh, two dates coming up this month, and you can ask all the pros at McMillan Estate planning uh, what you should be doing in your personal situation. You register online, mcmillanestate.com. With regards to these virtual seminars, can you share what you'll be talking about and all that kind of stuff, Chris? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cover a few different topics. You know, we'll talk about, about the legal plan as, as part of an estate plan as a whole. So that's things like your living wills, you know, your last will and testament. We'll talk about the utilization of, of trust to, to manage assets, uh, and, you know, including things like your business and, and business succession planning. And then, of course, we focus a little bit on, on taxation, you know, uh, U.S. estate taxes for Canadians, you know, how you might go about, about protecting assets both during your lifetime and, and for your heirs. And uh, and a few other topics, you know, including things like like charitable giving and and generational planning. So it's it's usually quite a, or hopefully quite an entertaining uh, presentation. And uh, you know what we always do as well is also uh, following the presentation, offer a complimentary consultation to anyone that would like to to take advantage of it to to just have a, a chat or a conversation around their unique circumstances and and you know how how sort of comprehensive estate planning might assist. Well, again, you can register online. There is no charge for these virtual seminars. June 11th, June 25th, two of them this month, beginning at 5.30. That's in the afternoon, of course. MacmillanEstate.com, MacmillanEstate.com. In light of the current situation uh, surrounding physical distancing, Chris, one more question for you. How are you able to and are you able to uh, really get into the meat of the matters when it comes to estate planning, given our virtual distancing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I would suggest now things have actually, I mean, virtual estate planning is something we've been doing for about a decade because many of the families we work with travel extensively or, or own businesses and those sorts of things. And so historically, we were probably at a place where about you know, 95, 98% of the estate planning could be done virtually in any event. And, and it's, in fact, become easier now because things like the execution of wills can be done via video conference. And so at the end of the day, you know, if, you know, if we're in a situation where, where face-to-face meetings aren't practical or where an individual is not comfortable with the idea of a face-to-face meeting, we can do it all now virtually. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's really become quite, quite convenient to get, you know, get your plans in order. Well, it's certainly been a, a, my pleasure uh, talking to you again today. Chris Sabat, General Counsel, McMillan Estate Planning. Always learn so much about what I need to be doing and what you should be doing, and that's go directly to uh, Chris uh, via their website, McMillanEstate.com, McMillanEstate.com. Sign up for their virtual seminars. No charge for those, of course, June 11th and June 25th, beginning at 5.30 in the afternoon. McMillanEstate.com. Chris Sabat, General Counsel with McMillan Estate Planning. I'm Manny Bazunas. You're listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Back in a moment. And you're back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, along with executive producer of Vancouver Consumer, Andrew Ferreira. In this edition of Ask Andrew, Andrew, you have a job, I have a job, and a lot more people have a job, according to the latest figures you've been looking at. Yeah, so yesterday, the uh, you know the big morning hubbub yesterday was all about uh, the jobs numbers coming out of uh, out of the feds. Uh, Canada's May unemployment rate was 13.7 percent. 
which is staggering. It is the highest since data really became available, which was back in 1976. So, you know, sometimes percentages can seem arbitrary. Uh, one, essentially more than one out of every 10 people is out of a job right now. Uh, and, you know, that's it's it's staggering numbers. Uh, but there is hope there. Actually, the BC economy actually like gained jobs. Uh, Forty one thousand. Uh, they were led by the accommodation and food services industry. They had added 12,000 jobs last month. Uh, educational services, uh, online teaching, tutoring, that kind of thing, also up 12,000. Uh, wholesale and retail trade, all the people who are working hard stocking shelves so that you and I can eat. Uh, they've seen a big uh, jump in uh, the number of jobs. It's all... It's nice to see that even though we're still, you know, we're we are struggling through this still and, you know, we're nowhere near the end of it. We're still only in phase two. There are four phases. And if we don't play our cards right, phase three might not happen until September or even later. So we're no we're not even close to being out of the woods here. But some of these job numbers are encouraging to know that some of us. Some of us who were unlucky enough to have their jobs furloughed or uh, to have lost wages or hours cut are able to come back to a job. Uh, some of the other numbers that really shocked me, uh, Carol James here in BC said that of the job losses, 28.9% of them have been among youth. Almost a third of jobs lost have been among youth. And, you know, maybe I'm biased because I am, I guess, technically youth. Um, it's shocking to me that, you know, that proportion of, of BC's young adults and people who are really struggling to get into, you know, life here in British Columbia, it's an expensive place to live. 30% uh, of us have lost, you know, work. Uh, there's also some other great figures in here. Uh, three quarters of gains from April to May were in full-time work, which is excellent to hear. So we're seeing a lot of people get their full-time jobs back. Uh, Self-employed workers uh, not doing as well. Uh, 40, almost 45% of self-employed workers worked less than half their usual hours. But even then, that's a drop from a staggering 50.2% in April. So even though, you know, the numbers don't look good, we're a lot better than we were a month ago. And here's hoping that, you know, as time goes on, this, you know, only gets better. But in order for it to get better, we all have to, you know, for lack of a better word, stick together here by staying apart. We need to make sure that, you know, we still socially distance, that we keep track of, uh, let's say you have flu-like symptoms, tell your employer, consult a doctor, call 811, and inform anyone whom you may have been in contact with in the last little while to say, hey, I'm not feeling well, you might want to get this checked out. Because if we don't do that now, we're going to be paying for it in the future. Well, that spike in youth unemployment does not surprise me when you consider that, first of all, the food service industry, primarily, not all, but primarily young people yep. working. Uh, you've got summer jobs, lifeguards, they're yep. gone. Um, the PNE, which hires several thousand, even though you're not actually on the job yet to be hired for that job, that is out. So, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But those numbers are encouraging. I thank you for that evaluation of those figures. Ask Andrew with Andrew Ferreira, our executive producer here at Vancouver Consumer. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.